said? Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about the gap before me, the gap before me. As an illustration, let me tell you a little story. In 1889, uh, there was a town of, of Johnston, Pennsylvania. It was a thriving community back in the late 1800s, and it was 14 miles away from South Fork Hunting and Fishing Club. And upstream was this hunting and fishing club. It was an exclusive club of wealthy landowners and developers, and they had made this lake. Uh, this took this old lake and uh, this old dam, and they built it back up and had this lake, and they stocked it with some exclusive fishing, and it was a great gated community, so to speak, in the late 1800s, and they had some expensive fish, and they had noticed some flaws in the dam, the residents of the people downstream had noticed some flaws, and they had told people about it, but it had gone uh, unheard. It was dismissed. And then in May 1889, after days of extraordinary rain, people began to realize this old earthen dam began to break. And they knew it was coming, and they began to kind of warn people, but it was already too late. They tried to undo the emergency spillway, but they had narrowed it over the years. They put fencing over it to keep the nice fish in, and it had been clogged with debris, and nobody could get to it. And so it was that day, that night, even though warnings were sent out, it was too late. 20 million tons of water hit Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and over 2,200 2, people perished when the wall began to break. You know, there's a moment in Israel's history much the same way where God had been warning about a coming flood of judgment, that the walls were beginning to bulge and there was gaps in the walls of the city and their society and that this collapse was going to come suddenly and in an instant they were about to be exiled. And if they had repented, they would have been saved. But if you know the story, even though the Lord wanted to be gracious and compassionate, a flood of judgment did come and it took away northern kingdom Israel to Assyria and the southern kingdom Judah eventually to Babylon. And that's kind of where we are in this chapter in Ezekiel 22. You know, uh, we're talking about the gap before me. Let me tell you about the gap here locally. You know, as I've been praying over this message, I really this is more from my heart than we're kind of taking a break from where we've been in our journey on our sermons. This, this last month alone, let me just tell you from a pastor's view, this last month alone, I've uh, counseled a single mom finding, fighting to get her kids back for custody while fighting drugs at the same time. I talked this week to a man in federal prison who's been institutionalized most of his life, and he's struggling to figure out how to think clearly and have direction for his life. We've tr counseled youth who've tragically lost a dear friend. We've counseled those who've been dealing with serious illness in their family. We have been helping people who are helping raise other people's kids. This last month, we've worked with teenagers who have been facing suicidal thoughts, a kid with an absent parent now being put in foster care, poor people who have called us in the last weeks needing utility and rent assistance. We've preached to families who have been wrecked by drugs and alcohol, abuse and codependency. And we've even been talking to teachers and administrators here locally who've been overwhelmed by the demands not only of what they're doing in their education system, but of the broken family and broken homes and broken kids. That's this month, in this town, in this church. 
We've even been talking to pastors of how to navigate these times. You see, there's a, there's a moment like Jenga in society and in lives when you begin to take one too many blocks away. And it seems like everything's about to collapse. Maybe that's you. Maybe your family and your life, your area of influence, there's been some blocks that's been taken, some things. And I want to talk to you about that gap. You see, today there's an epidemic of drugs and addiction, wild parties and alcohol and sex, and these are all rites of passages for teenagers and college students, even more than it's ever been. Sexual promiscuity, gender fluidity, cohabitation, babies out of wedlock, all those things are now the norm. They're all celebrated. Divorce, gay marriage, the nuclear family has begun to erode in the American society, not to mention abortion and attacks on law and order and going on and on and on and on. You know, after a while, whether it be society or an individual family, it just seems like if you begin to say, I can do life my own way, I can find my own truth, I can date who I want to date, have a baby with who I want to have a baby, decide what my future looks like, decide what is right and wrong for me. I can rebel against my parents, I don't care what law and order says or my teachers say. And after a while, blocks just keep coming. And your family, like my family, might be full of stories of drugs, of alcohol, of abuse, of different things going on. But one too many blocks, you're just waiting to the walls. There are a lot of families right now in your area, in my area, in my family, your family, just one more block is all it's going to take. One more gap in the wall, one more stone in the fence until some lives are just going to start crumbling down. You know them. You know the stories. You know that one person that's just waiting. You know, we have a society today that's rejected the building blocks of God's Word. It's rejecting the Sabbath day. It's rejecting church, it's rejecting holy matrimony, it's rejecting law and order. We have a church that's compartmentalized its faith, we've secularized it to some way, and, and society sells a, a false bill of goods. It's saying this, it says things like, you can be who you want to be, find your own truth, you can have it all, just a few more gadgets, a few more clothes, just a few pills, maybe a better workout routine, you can just have that new diet, if you just have a little surgery, just a better you. Just a new job, just a new car, just a new house. But it's all ruined. The Bible says that the Lord is looking for someone, though, to stand in the gap. It's not too late that he's still looking for someone to make up the difference in somebody's life that's about to crumble. So look with me in Ezekiel 22 that God wants you to fill 
a gap. God wants you to fill a gap. It's about 590 years before Christ is born and Babylon is on the verge of destroying Judah and the prophets have been telling them that there's this massive corruption and idolatry. And if you give you the backstory, people will begin impressing other people. There was robbing and wrongdoing. The Bible says that the society as a whole had neglected the poor and the widow and the orphan and the fatherless. They had neglected the immigrant. The prophets and the priests began to be moved by greed and like today, what nice jet I can get and I can just get you to buy into my book deal or some of my special anointing oil or whatever it was to get you to pay my bills. They begin to be moved by greed. They preach false messages, whitewash sin. People no longer knew in society what holiness was and unholiness. They no longer knew what was clean to God and unclean to God. They didn't really know what the difference was in right and wrong. And if you don't have an idea of what's going on today, you don't get the similarities. But society began to fall to adultery and sexual immorality. The Bible specifically says it was full of lewd parties and murder and bribery and corruption at the highest levels of society. No one could trust the government any longer. Are you hearing me this morning? Division, religious apathy, sexual immorality, the breakdown of the family, the breakdown of compassion for other people. And Ezekiel is outside of Israel in Babylon and he's preaching back to the people who are remaining there. And this is what he says. And the word of God came to me saying, Son of man, say to her, you are a land who is not clean and it's not been rained on in the day of indignation. There's a conspiracy of the prophets in the midst like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They've devoured lives. They've taken treasure and precious things. They've made many widows in the midst of her. And her priests have done, uh, have done violence to my law and profaned my holy things. They've made no distinction between holy and the common. They've not taught the difference between the unclean and the clean. They've closed their eyes from my Sabbath day, the holy day, and defiled I am among them. And our leaders are within them. They're like wolves tearing the prey, shedding blood, destroying lives in order to make a dishonest profit. And the prophets have even coated and whitewashed for them. They see false visions. They divine, uh, divine lies for them and say this, that this is what the Lord God says. But the Lord God has not spoken those things. And the people of the land, they've practiced extortion, committed robbery, they've oppressed the poor, the needy, and have oppressed the stranger without justice. Verse 30, and I searched for a man among them who would build up a wall, who would stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. So I've poured out my indignation on them. I've consumed them with the fire of my wrath. I've brought their way upon their own heads, says the Lord your God. He says, I've not found one person. All those people who have gone on before, they're out. The good leaders have gone. Society has begun to crumble. Families are falling apart. Lives are being uh, dealt with the consequences of sin. Things are happening all around us. He says, I'm looking for someone to stand in the gap to build up the wall. I'm looking for someone to build this thing up, to stand and make up the difference where lives seem to be crumbling. And I could not find one person left in Israel. So judgment came and it fell. Society fell. See, God was looking for someone like a, an Abraham who would intercede for a Sodom and Gomorrah. 
He was looking for someone like a Moses who would go up to the mountain and intercede between God and the people. They would represent the people before God and represent God for the people who did not know him. He was looking for a Daniel that would get down on his knees when everybody else was going to the parties and he would get down on his knees three times a day and pray for a lost and dying people and go to the lion's den for the sake of those people. He was looking for an Esther that would risk her life to say, I will go before the king to save these people who are headed to destruction. He says, but I couldn't find someone like that. Not in this community or the next community. I couldn't find someone that was willing to risk it all to stand in the gap for a lost and dying world. You see, to build the wall there means this. It means to build up uh, the broken places of society. To rebuild the city walls really means to repair the broken. That God is looking for someone to help repair the broken. If you look on the outside of our church building, what does it say? Welcome to the broken. God is looking for a church in our community, in our region, this day and this time, that is going to be involved in repairing the broken and the weary soul. That's what rebuild the wall means. And he says, what is the wall? Building blocks of a God-fearing society. The building blocks of a God-fearing community. And he says, I look for them to repair the broken and rebuild a God-fearing society. I look for them to stand. What does stand mean? It means to be appointed. Someone who would be called and commissioned and stand apart from the rest of the people around them and say, I'm going to stand and be separate. I'm going to be appointed and called by God. I'm going to accept the commission that God has for me and be empowered to do it. And where are you going to stand? He says, in the gap. What's the gap? The gap is that place of fracture. The gap is that place where the enemy likes to get into a family after divorce. He likes to get into the kids and make them think they're not loved. After a place, a time of loss, he likes to take the grief and just keep going with it into suicide and depression. He likes to take a place of just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and put it all into addiction. He likes to take a hole, a foothold, and get in there any way he can and wreak havoc in the mind and the soul and the family and the society. The gap is the place that if no one stands there and no one fills it, bad things are about to happen. It's the place where bad things are about to happen if we don't do something. What is that place? There's a pastor by the name of Wilfredo de Jesus. Pastor Choco is his name. He wrote a book, In the Gap. I have it in my office, and it's a phenomenal book. And he says this, he says, the gap, it's a place of weakness, of vulnerability and danger. It's a defensive location of exposure and limitation. It's a point where people face real threats. And a gap, it can exist in your country, in your community, and even at home with your family. So where is it getting bad around you? Where is it getting bad around you? What is it that you see? We've, like I just told you some of the things we've been seeing lately from our perspective, some kids who need advocates some families who need counseling, some places where people are, are being overwhelmed around them, that there is a gap, there's a hole. And what's going to happen if you do nothing? Maybe there's a wayward child near you or someone's about to fail in their marriage. Is there someone addicted or someone around you losing hope? Maybe there's a forgotten elderly person. My wife works in a nursing home, and that's one of the things we've noticed in this uh, coronavirus, this quarantine thing, that my wife's been trying to bring soda into these elderly people who don't have family that can get in there. And, and you just see a gap. 
Maybe there's someone near you that has no one to care for them, to encourage them. Someone in poverty. Maybe there's a woman hiding her face from abuse, covering up her makeup, and you go to work and you notice something's not right, and everybody else just, oh, we don't really want to say anything and get awkward, but maybe you need to make it awkward and say something. Maybe there's a child without a good home life in your neighbors, and you notice, I never see that kid outside playing. I never see that family doing anything. I don't, I don't see anything there. You notice these kids that are out running the streets, and their parents don't care. We had a two-year-old kid one time dropped off at our church a few years back. Two years old, I found her wandering around in our fellowship hall. Nobody cared. This is real. There are gaps. There are places that if we don't do something, bad things are going to happen. Just a few years ago, we uh, went to the sheriff's department and the DA, and we asked them, we said, where's the gap in Gina, Louisiana? Where's the gap in LaSalle, Paris? They said, we really need recovery ministry. So we prayed, and for six months we looked, and the Lord gave us a building for free, and we partnered with some other churches, Pastor Jeff Moray, a good friend of mine at LifePoint Assembly, and we said, we've got to do this. We've got to stand in the gap. And so we put the money up, and we did it, and we stepped out in faith and trained some people. Celebrate Recovery has been going on for over five years now. We've got some leaders here in the room that now have come through the program and are now leading it because we said we've got to stand in the gap for LaSalle Paris, Louisiana. We went to the, the school board a few years back, and we talked to the homeless liaison, and we said, uh, you know, I introduced myself and said, well, we're just here to ask you how can we can help you. How can we stand in the gap? for this community, and she said, well, we have a lot of single moms that don't make it to the government assistance. They're doing their best, they're working jobs, and, and they don't qualify for government help, and they don't get Christmas, and, and, uh, and they, don't, they don't get this. They could they have two jobs and be single mom, and, and they would fall through the cracks. And we said, well, let's take that, we're gonna take that on. And so for the last several years, our church specifically, and other churches have taken on over 300 kids, Every year we work to get them backpacks. We've bought haircuts and hamburgers and, and we've given them school supplies every year. And at the, every Christmas, we're about to start right now. Last year we were able to give $33,000 towards kids, almost 265 kids that needed Christmas this year because there was a gap. Those are just some of the things I can think of, whether it be being substitute teachers in our schools that we've worked on to be bring anti-bullying assemblies we've done lately Right now, Pastor Christian and I are working on suicide awareness. And whether it be visiting a hospital or a funeral or doing some marriage counseling, financial counseling, working to have the best youth and kids programs that this parish can have, reaching kids. Many of our youth don't have parents that go to this church. Let me tell you something, though. The gaps are just too big for he and I and these pastors of this community to do it alone. There's just too many. And the Lord is searching, and he's looking. It's going to take each person in our community, each person in our faith family, to rebuild the wall, to stand in the gap, number one, for your family, two, for your church, and three, for your community. Let me ask you this. Let me give you real quick some questions for us. Why don't we stand? First is sometimes we just feel like we're too busy. Oh, my gosh, you just have no idea how much I have on my schedule. And that's totally true. I get you. Every single person in this church is busy. And sometimes we're so busy that we really don't want to believe that God is calling us to do anything beyond our own life. We've got our own priorities, our own plans. We don't really want to be inconvenienced. We really do, be honest, like our life like it is. 
But if we keep on that line, we're no different than that priest and that Levite who walked past that good Samaritan on the way to their church, on the way to their temple, and said, really, it's not my responsibility. It's really not my, my job. It's not my business. Uh, I don't really want to get into that right now. It's not my problem. But how soft are our hearts for a broken world? Or maybe number two, you say, well, I'm really burnt out. You just don't understand. I've had people ask me for things before, and I've been burnt out. I've been burnt by people, and maybe we haven't really learned how to properly say no and keep boundaries in our life. And, and we've really, uh, now people, when they ask us for things, it scares us. Somebody comes up to your window, or you're at Walmart, and you're like, I got to go out there. Where's the back door at Walmart? I don't want to even walk outside the front door, because I have to say no to somebody, you know, that's asking me for some wooden cross or something. You know, it's like, we just want to be like, wait till other people are walking out the door with you, and then you can take a sharp right and go around them, because we don't want to know, we don't want to say no. We don't know how to say no, and so we just ignore the problem, and we just try to not get involved in it, because we've been burnt. It's awkward. We don't know how to have healthy boundaries and have a good no. It's okay to say no. But sometimes we can get to a place where we think people don't really deserve our time or money. Well, they just act right. They just live right. They just do right. They just know better. And we start to believe that people can't really change, and we start to lose that joy that Jesus said, no one can take it from you. We're no longer moved by the fruit of the Spirit. We've lost that empathy. We've lost that passion. We've lost that joy that God is the answer, and he can do anything. He can do anything. He can change the hardest heart. He can take a Saul and make him Paul. He can take somebody who was nothing and make them into something. Or maybe you're like me and many in this room that you're just so burdened. Some of us are busy, some of us are burnt, but some of us are burdened. You're burdened because there's a lot of gaps in your own family. I'm gonna go with you on that. Maybe you're already standing in the gap for someone in your own family, but you've grown weak and weary how could I possibly, Pastor Heath, anytime the pastor says, can you do more? You're like, oh, Lord, help me. How could I ever do more? Because you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm holding all together right now. You don't. And I don't. I really don't. I do know this, though, that just not a month ago, I was about to be burned out, and I didn't know it. Uh, thank the Lord for my wife who sent me on a retreat. Pastor Christian, who made me go. You can get to a place where you're so busy, so burnt out, so trying to hold it all together that you don't realize that you've been doing it by your own efforts and your own ability. Sometimes we serve our family more out of obligation than out of calling. Let me what I mean by that. Sometimes we have a responsibility to do things, but we lack the power and anointing to do it because we begin to do it all on our own efforts. You may have family that needs your help, and, and I do too. I'm not going to go into publicly all the things that are going on in my personal family and my extended family that my family steps in the gap for. And I understand. I do. But sometimes that can get to a place where you're doing it by your own strength and ability. And what I want you to think about is do you believe that God, if he calls you to something, is going to leave you empty and dry? You see, I believe in a God of abundance and a God who said my joy will be full in John 16. He says that when I do this, I'm going to put a power in you, a spirit in you, and it's going to give you a joy that no one can take from you. There's going to be a, a power, he says in Acts chapter uh, 1 and 2, that this power is going to come upon you, and you're going to be witnesses because if 
God calls you, he's always going to equip you. And so my question became to myself, maybe I've been doing this thing more out of my own abilities and natural talents and my own mental capacity, or if, because if I've been doing it by myself, I'm going to burn out, I'm going to get weak, I'm going to get weary, because it's gonna be me doing it. But if I believe in a God of abundance who can take six days and make the whole world and rest on the seventh day, and that I couldn't also trust in that God who, who can do more with my 90% of tithes and giving 90, I can keep 90. He can do more with that 10% than I could ever do with 100%. Are you hearing me? That he can take a little loaves and fishes and feed 5,000 people. Do I believe in that kind of a God of abundance who can take what little bit I give and give me far surpassing enough? He can take every little thing. As long as I'm coming to him with my little bit, I can trust him to go all the way. I can trust him to fill me in my weakness, that his grace is sufficient for me. You see, he's still the Lord of rest. He's still the giver of power. He's still the giver of life and life abundantly. And I believe in my life it's still more blessed to give than to receive. And if I haven't been receiving, maybe I haven't been giving from the right place. You see, when God told Moses, Moses, go stand before me, to Pharaoh before all the people. Moses is like, I, I stutter, I got nothing, man. You don't understand my history, my past. Man, I'm a wanted felon back in Egypt. Man, they wanna arrest me, I'm gonna go to jail. He's gonna kill me. He says, don't worry, what? I will be with you. I'll be with you. You see, if God's gonna call you to something, he's not calling you there to burn you out. That's the first thing I think when somebody says, can you do this? I'm like, whew, I don't know. Probably not, I'm gonna burn out if I do that. But if it's God's calling, see God's calling you to stand in the gap for your family, for your church, and for your community. And if God's calling you, he's going to equip you. If he's appointed you and commissioning you, he's gonna give you the power to do the job. And that's why we sometimes don't because we really doubt he's the God of abundance. And that hurt me when I began to think about that. And why should I stand? Well, because Jesus stood for me. You see, Jesus came to rebuild the walls of God's kingdom and he stood in the gap for you and for me on that cross. And then he says to, to us on that cross and from that position of standing in the gap, he says, you know what, guys? If, if I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes, you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison. You came to me and said, what, what are you talking about? He says, whatever you did to the least of one of these, my brothers and sisters, you've done it to me. For instance, it'd be like this, I was an addict and you helped me get to celebrate recovery. I was that kid without a parent and you brought me to youth group. I was that person who was depressed at your co and your job and you comforted me. I was that person who was unloved and you loved me. I was abused and you noticed me and you took an interest in my case. You didn't just keep on walking by. I'd used up all my chances with my family and friends and burned every bridge in this town and this parish, but you gave me another chance. You see, real church is gonna happen outside of Sunday. And do we look like Jesus? Do our neighbors see that we're too self-focused or they see that we are standing in the gap? Let me give you this promise, Isaiah 58. If you're, if you're, if you're one of those people like me who, who's burning out or burnt, write down Isaiah 58 and read it over and over again to yourself. Because this is what he says in verse six through 12. He says, for those who are willing to loosen the bonds of wickedness, those who will work to let the oppressed go free. 
those who are willing to break every yoke, those who are going to share their bread with the hungry, those who are going to invite homeless people into their house, those who are interested in clothing the naked and helping their own family. Listen, he says, your light is going to break out like the dawn. Your own personal recovery is going to speed speedily forth, and my righteousness is going to go before you. The glory of the Lord is going to go behind you, and when you call, I will answer you because you are interested in satisfying the desire of the afflicted souls around you. And he says this, and he promises, I will pour out my spirit on them as they're rebuilding the ancient ruins, and they are going to be called, listen, the repairs of the gap. God is going to give you everything you need as you step out in faith and trust God to stand in the place for your family, for your church, and for your community. If God has called you to it, the phrase says he's going to lead you what? Through it. That's how it works. God is going to equip the call. He's going to take that place and he's going to give you abundantly enough as you pour out and you understand it's more blessed to give than to receive. God's going to see you as a channel, as a pass through. And his Holy Spirit's going to come and fill you and you're going to pour out. And he's going to fill you and he's going to pour out. But you've got to be willing to pour out from him and not yourself. Because you and I, we lack. I'm never enough. I'm barely enough for my own self. I'm barely enough for my own wife and for my own kids. As we stand in the gap for this community to help kids who need parents, we stand in the gap for addicts and people who are in an abusive relationship. We stand in the gap for people going through marital issues and financial issues. Let me tell you something. You better have God pouring into you. But he promises he promises he is going to fill you. So that's why we should stand. What about how do we stand? I challenge you with this before we close. How do you stand? You say, Pastor, you, I don't, you just don't know, man. You just, you just don't know. You don't know where I'm at. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. But I know who my God is. I know what my God can do. And I believe on faith that he is enough. He's enough for everything that we could ever need. Do you believe that God could come down in a moment to make everything right in your family? Do you believe in a moment God could come down and make everything right in society? You see, number one, he's looking for you to stand. Number one is standing for your family. It means teaching them the word of God. It means moms and dads, you need to pray with and pray over your kids. Parents, you need to bring your kids to church. I said it. Parents, you need to stand in the gap by bringing your kids to church. There is no other excuses. Bring your kids to church as often as you can. And some of our kids, bring your parents to church. Stand in the gap for your parents. Stand in the gap for your kids. Bring them to church. Maybe there's a spiritual, uh, uh, maybe you need to be a spiritual parent. Maybe there's a nephew or a niece in your family that needs you to pick them up. Maybe it's someone that you can help financially in your family and we know that can be a tricky place and they can always be asking. It's okay to say no, but when you can, the Bible says you are supposed to help when they ask, if you can, and if it's the best thing for them. Never stop inviting people in your family. Never stop interceding for those who are wayward. Speak the truth in love. Pray for words of knowledge and wisdom. Be an advocate to the Father for your family. Many of you are doing that. Number two, stand for your church. That means being someone who attends and brings value to your church community. It means being in a small group so you can encourage other people in a personal relationship. 
Being in a church is about being in personal relationship with other people. It means being someone who trusts God with their top 10% to devote your finances to the Lord's mission in your community. It means to be someone who serves with their gifts that God has given them, not to do something that you're not equipped to do, but to do something that God's called you to do, to be on a team and do something for the glory of God. It means to be a person involved in your local church that invites people over to dinner, that goes and gets coffee, that calls and checks in on one another. Because guess what? When they're down, you might be up and we might need each other to help hold up some hands like Moses needed on the sides of us. Aaron and her, we might need you and you are needed and valued. Be a valuable member of this community and don't just come to Sunday morning and go home and don't talk to anybody. Man, come and be a valuable member because we need you to stand with us because how many know it's heavy? It's hard. Somebody in this church needs you to be an encourager when they're going through a hard time. Stand for your family, stand for your church, and lastly, stand for your community. What does that mean? It means to honor your boss, to honor your coworkers. It means to care what other people are going through around you, to ask how they're doing. It means to listen. It means to have empathy. It means not spending all your time and your money on your own self, being willing and able to have a little extra if you see a need. Sometimes we get so caught up into debt and we spend all of our money on ourselves that God can't ever ask you to help somebody else out because you've been so busy doing what you want to do. I believe there should be a little extra always left over. You can't get to that place maybe today, but as you follow the Lord, God wants you to have ability to help somebody. I'm getting, amen, pastor, amen, okay. Say, God, where's the gap? Where's the gap? Where's the need around me? Build the wall means repair the broken people. Stand, it means intercede before the Lord and for the people. You may have to stand for an unpopular position at work. You may have to speak about God's values when other people are speaking other things. You may have to warn people who are headed to destruction, but you always have to love people. It's not a popular thing, to be honest. When I was pre preaching, praying and about preaching this, I really felt that I was not supposed to burden you with the guilt of volunteering more in your local church. And what I really felt from the Holy Spirit was that God is still looking for someone to stand in the gap, but he wants you to know he's not calling you to burn you out. He's calling you to lift you up. He's not calling you to burn you out. He's calling you to lift you up. Moses was empowered to do the job he was called to do. Esther was empowered to do the job God called her to do. Daniel was empowered to do the job God called him to do. And you, as you stand in the gap, whether being a coach or a friend or an invested neighbor or an encouraging church member or a youth worker or a kids worker or standing in the gap for those that are struggling in your own family, if you are going to do that, you have to rely on the Lord to be everything you need to get through this situation. You see, God is here. He is a God of abundance. He's a God of everything you need. I really felt that from the Lord because the pressure is like, oh, I can't. I don't know how to do it anymore. I can't do that. I'm not qualified. That's exactly the point. He doesn't want you to be qualified. He doesn't want you to have enough talent. He doesn't want you to have enough ability. He does a lot better work with people who are totally screwed up like everybody else 
and who aren't perfect and don't have it all together because then he's going to get all the glory. All he's, looking, all he's looking for is faith. Someone like Isaiah said, Lord, I'll go. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. I'm here. I'm available. I'm willing to stand in the gap for someone around me. Would you stand with me this morning? Worship team, would you come? I want to ask you a few questions. Have I been ignoring the needs around me? Have I been making excuses? Have I been too busy? And do I want God's will in my life more than anything? And if so, am I willing to let God use me to help those around me? You don't have to be enough. You don't have to have it all together. You just have to know and believe that if I let Lord, the Lord use me, I trust that he's going to fill me. And I look for a man to build up the wall and to stand in the gap, and I found no one. I know there are many people here already standing in the gap. Many people here already doing a lot of things for the Lord. I'm just encouraging and challenging us. Sometimes when we think we're doing enough, we need to take another look back and say, God, maybe I've been doing it by your own ability, your, my, my own ability, my own talent, my own schedule. And maybe the Lord is going to do something bigger than you. If you would step out in faith, if you would just surrender and say, Lord, what is it you want to do? Maybe God has bigger dreams, bigger things things that you could never have done on your own, things you would have never thought of, but he's looking for willing, empty vessels that say, Lord, I've been standing for my family. I've been trying to do my best. And he says, that's, that's all I'm looking for. I'm just looking for someone who'll stand. And you say, Lord, I'm willing to keep on standing. And I believe the Lord is just going to begin to pour out his spirit on your life as you do it in faith, as you do it not out of just responsibility, but you're going to be doing it out of your calling. You're going to be doing it because he's called you. And if he's called you, he's going to equip you. He's going to give you everything that you need. All he wants you to do is say, yes, Lord, here am I. I will build up the broken people around me. I will stand in the gap. I will intercede for them. I will be an intercessor for my church, for my community, and for my family. Lord, if you'll just give me the strength to keep my hands raised. God, if you'll just give me the power to tell people what to, to say to people. God, if you'll give me the, the love and the compassion and the empathy. God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. God, I just want you to use me. I don't want it to be said that there was someone broken around me, that something horrible happened to them, that God, if I don't stand, who's going to stand? God, if we don't stand in this hour, something's going to happen. I pray that it would be said that if God looked down on LaSalle Parish, Louisiana, he says, no, I got a church there. I got a sanctuary there. They're standing. They're standing for this community. They're standing with their pastor. They're standing with their, their alliance of other churches, and we're making a difference for broken, hurting people. Would you stand? I want you to ask yourself, God, if I'm too busy, if I'm too burdened, if I'm too burnt out, God, would you, would you fill me? Just be willing to say yes.